Take two. Hello and welcome again to the now newly named... Newly christened. <laughs> Talk Verite. Yes. Uh, we picked that name for a number of reasons. One of the most obvious being that Cinema it's Verite is a very popular it's, yeah, school, school of, of cinema. School of thought in, in, uh, in documentaries. Uh, I'm Sarah. And I'm Greg. And we will be talking about Cutie and the mm. Boxer today. Yeah, continuing our sort of march through the Academy Awards nominated films to to get this off and get our practice doing podcasts. Indeed. And unfortunately, uh, we, we found out, as you all probably know by now, that um, 20 Feet from Stardom was the was winner, the winner of the yeah. Academy, 86th Academy Award for Best documentary. documentary feature, yeah, and uh, much to your chagrin, I'm sure. Although we haven't, we haven't seen, seen it. it, I know, but you, uh, but I know you are a big proponent of the act of killing. I, I, I was, but you know what? It's Maybe sort of, proven wrong. Uh, you know, I, you know, I reserve judgment because I haven't seen it. Yeah. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, and it also makes sense to me, just in terms of looking at the Academy as a sort of uh, microcosm of taste cultures, like yes. the one about. Well, your big Venn diagram just yeah no eventually I will make that Venn diagram but uh <laughs> you know looking looking at what uh 20 feet from stardom is about backup singers who have all of the ta- like this underdog idea story. about underdog story <laughs> about you know the idea of talent and art and and how that collides with industry yeah. like that they eat that up yeah having even um, not seen it there's definitely a like oh i'm, I'm sure it'll meet yeah. these criteria based on what we know about right, it but right. we will of course reserve full judgment for when we review it yes. and undoubtedly you'll all be listening oh right with eager sure. attention oh yeah and uh yeah so cutie and the boxer very yeah. interesting film. Lots of things that worked. Uh, there were a few my, things were, I needed. I think yeah, more than nothing, more than didn't work. Yeah, there's there's not many. There were a number of things that we were kind of uh, scratching our head out a little bit, yeah. kind of wondering about, or kind of wish it had. But there was very little. Oh, that was terrible. Or oh my god, why did they do blank? So, right. Uh, off the bat, it's definitely very a film accomplished worth film. watching. It's a very interesting film. Yeah, but. Uh, but I guess we should really start with it's about. <laughs> yes, so, no, it is. Uh, Cutie and the Boxer is not about boxing, except to the extent that it involves uh, paint. Um, it <laughs> follows this guy, uh, Ushio Shinohara. Yes, That's, Ushio Shinohara. And yeah, his... and, and his wife, Noriko Shinohara. And he sort of made a splash as an avant-garde artist in, like the 70s in the 70s, so. yeah, um, came over from Japan to New York, had this very sort of pugilistic, active style of, of surrealist, you know, maybe like Dada painting. Yeah, doing um, these kind of, making these cardboard, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Why sculpture. Can't think of it? Sculpture. There you go. <laughs> uh, doing a lot of this work with cardboard, yeah. and he would often literally take his boxing gloves Attach foam paint brushes to the end of it yeah. and go down a line punching the walls right. and making art out of it. And he'd be doing hooks into it and you know going crazy at it. Obviously, as he gets older, the technique and precision has, I'm sure, changed. Changed, not yeah. gotten worse. Not gotten worse, but not changed. Not quite the finesse age. of his old videos with no. his muscles coming out and going. Oh, crazy. when he had a mohawk, when he that had was the mohawk, so great. That's right. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but the the project uh, originally sort of started around him and the film starts you know talking about his art and and his history in the new york art scene um it starts at the gallery opening of his uh but it really is more about his relationship with his wife yeah, uh there who is also an artist um it's that age-old story of a young art student meeks meets a 40 year old charismatic charismatic artist, artist. <laughs> charismatic artist 
Meredith has totally stable relationship. Yeah, benefits from uh, <laughs> from from her input and stuff. But uh, it's 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 definitely a men- uh, marriage that's that's filled with tension. Yes, it's definitely. Um, yeah, in case you wonder, it was very sarcastic when I say totally we were, stable relationship. We were very sarcastic, but uh, it's it's an artist relationship, and so it's it's this fascinating look at two artists whose life and whose. Um, uh, marital strife and and the different choices that they have made to support each other informs their work and so what's what's really interesting about it is that the film is very much through the through the perspective of Noriko yeah um, and it so her art her, as it her art sort sure. of comes alive um, and that is the that is the kind other of portion of well. the yeah, kind of literally as well. There's an animation sequence that's wonderful. But uh, she she uh, she does a, a comic series called uh, Cutie, uh, Cutie and Bully, and uh, that's sort of where the other the other half of the title yeah. comes from. It's kind of where she exercises her frustrations with their relationship sure. and her artwork and his over through her work. And it's funny because she kind of half smirkingly will be like, "Oh no, it's not directly about us," and she knows exactly. It, it is. it's very autobiographical. Yeah. Um, Although, as, as with anything that, you know, just the act of trying to tell an autobiographical story will make it a little bit different. Oh, of course. Um, and she says that, you, she constantly says that the characters are different, uh, right. but that Cutie loves Bully very much. Uh, so that's, that's, that's sort of Especially the crux of the, the end, yeah. A lot more that it's very flawed there. She yeah. is, she does have a lot of lingering bitterness, which is very justified. Understandable. Yeah, it's very justified. Yeah. And, and you see him starting to really recognize that as he is now in his I'm 80s. I'm not sure that you do. I think, I think, but I think no, that, no, that that she, oh. her art career is starting to have traction. Yeah. And he is, I think, really wants to be number one. Yeah. And he was very fine with the status quo as long as he was the real artist and she was the supporting artist. Yeah, for sure. It's very much the relationship. It doesn't mean he shuts her down or tries to keep her from doing work. No. But he's very quick to have her stop her projects and help him scramble for his stuff. And you know, you... Normally that would be fine, but you can definitely tell it's for him. It's a prioritization. Yeah, it's my work is the art of yeah. this couple, and you need to help me accomplish it. Yeah, and you know it's a very interesting relationship, and him having to very very subtly, begrudgingly recognize that she is coming into her own as an artist, and that he may not always be number one. Right. Uh, and I say very begrudgingly, if at all. I don't if think at all. he accepts it, but I wouldn't say that he's oblivious to it. He's very aware that he's it's aware happening. of the sea change yes. for sure. And so it's an inter- It was a. It's a very interesting moment in their relationship for there to be a camera around. Yeah, uh, it took them years apparently. Yeah, the because, last like yeah. year or so is when they finally opened up. Right. That's that's our understanding is that it was like five years he was following these guys around and and sleeping. Um, sleeping on their couch and, and whatnot, but it was really in the last year and a half that the meat of the film came from. Right, because we were wondering while we were watching it, you know, not to play a stereotype, but a older Japanese couple, you wouldn't generally assume, even as artists, that they would just open up to this stranger. Right. With a camera, and I mean, just culture aside, it's just as an individual, why would you and your significant other want to air your dirty laundry like right. that but clearly they were able they built a relationship with them and i think the two of them became more comfortable with sharing it whether or not it was because you know trust built over time or what but basically they were able to get some incredibly intimate conversations mm-hmm. and very very good moments i don't know it's fascinating to watch you, you really do feel like yeah you know there's a camera in the room and you always have to be aware of the politics of the camera sure but the fact of the matter is 
you really do feel like you get a very deep and honest real look, insight. Yeah. yeah, a very honest look. That's a better way to put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Very at honest their relation- insight to the relationship. At their relationship. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, as you're saying, there's definitely cinematic technique going on. Uh, there's a lovely animation sequence, which yes. uh, Noriko narrates over. Um, and it's her, her comic work. Um, being given motion and that sort of gives her license to sort of tell the story of how she met Ushio um, and the way he he that that they fell in love that he took advantage of her a little bit (laughs) Um, girl gets pregnant girl has to drop everything Um, so it's it was it was an interesting way of 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 dealing with that history but again it sort of positions uh, the viewer and the audience uh, on on her her ground as it were and sort of primes us to see her coming forward in the relationship and uh, him sort of having to deal with that. And it was interesting, one of the director interviews, he said that the decision to animate that stuff came in the last, like, six months of yeah. film. And he said that was kind of the clincher to wrap the film, was he felt that was kind of the je ne sais quoi right. that would really tie it all together and really give her How do you pronounce his last name? It's Zach Heyer- Um, Heyerling? I had it written down here. It's, uh... We're terrible at this. Heinzerling is Heinzerling. my knee-jerk reaction is Heinzerling. Okay, cool. But, uh, uh, yeah, he, I mean, so there's that, and then the other big thing is the archival footage, the home movies. Which we were very much yeah. wondering about, and it was... Basically, didn't his wife do it a lot? Yeah, had they a had a camera. Eight millimeter, it yeah. looks like 8mm home video type yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just had like a little Super 8, and they also, in the middle of the film, started busting out of this home video stuff which also he discovered towards the end of the film right and integrated in and that cast a whole new light oh you my keep gosh hearing about ushio and how he used to drink and do all this stuff and now you get to watch him like Be wasted drunk. at yeah. the table with his friends when his kid is being bathed alone in the other room <laughs> in the other. and taking care of himself yeah yeah i mean it's a very intimate home movie stuff oh my and, gosh which yeah really raises a lot of questions i don't think we actually spent a lot of time talking about it her his mother sorry ushio's wife right their kid's mother yeah. As a camera woman, as a, right. someone recording yeah. film and, and bearing what? witness. I mean, it, it was really just stuff that you wouldn't uh, expect. You know, there's a little bit of like them fishing at the yeah. at the coast oh, yeah, or whatever that you fun moments. Yeah, that you would expect home home movies and... to to be. But there's yeah. there's that one incredible moment where he's sort of uh, drunkenly shouting about how hurt he is and how, how you know, unreconciled he is with being an artist and, yeah. and artistic success and monetary security and all and of like those things. He's laying on the ground clutching a bottle. Oh my gosh, it's the most intense thing. And and, and she's just sitting there filming she's it. She's just sitting there filming it. Um, <laughs> so that, that yeah, it tells you something about her. Yeah, very, very interesting. Observer's a little lightweight putting a very interesting... Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a... Uh... Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's choices being made to sort of try and get you even further into the, the history and the, and the relationship of this couple uh, beyond just being in the room with them yeah. um, and, and hearing them talk to each other. Uh, and so that's what... Certainly, when we've, we've looked at the critical reactions of this film and, and our own, I think, you know, the, the strongest point about this is the laying out of this relationship. But I think you use the word, Greg, that it's sort of hermetic. Yeah, this yeah. really kind of gets more into the style of film. But this is something we saw kind of get off track here, but whatever. <laughs> I couldn't not think of Jira Dreams of Sushi aside from the Japan component. Uh-huh. What it really got me thinking about was how are Western filmmakers depicting Japanese people 
and how both movies kind of, for those of you who haven't seen Jerry a Sushi, it's a very, very popular documentary on Netflix. It's yep. made millions of dollars. And it's about a guy and his, uh, and his a son, guy yeah. and son who runs like basically the most famous, sushi. definitely now the most famous <laughs> restaurant sushi establishment yeah. in Japan. And it's an it's a very incredible film. It's very well done. Also got an Oscar nod. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, you know, two Japanese relationship-centered films that I nearly think... back-to-back right. raised for Oscars, and both of which were filmed almost like an Apple commercial. Very sharp, saturated colors. Very very pretty and pristine. I... See, I think they're the the the, uh, the (laughs) lots of white. white. No, you're right about that. The lots of white, but I I would I think we spend so much time in their apartment, which is so cluttered. That is uh, true and dirty. uh, That I don't think in terms of. But I think of like when he's punching the canvas. Oh yeah, when they're depicting art, you definitely you definitely have that sense of of. Not that dirty. the style changes a little bit yeah. and becomes a little bit more precise when they're dealing with the art. Yes. When they're just sort of in their house making hamburgers, oh, I think it's yeah, much yeah. looser. Um, That's fair, actually. Which is, yeah. Which is, but but Jiro Dreams of Sushi is a logical connection to draw uh, yeah. because I think, you know, some of that m- might be just us as viewers bringing that cultural association to it, but some of it might be cinematic choices might be yeah. camera choices that that we sort of associate with this culture um as as a way of of illustrating it um so it's it's interesting uh to talk about for sure yeah and i don't know the there's kind of this i only kind of recently thought about more was the kind of coming to america narrative mm-hmm. in some ways with ushio and noriko because ushio came straight from japan to america correct? right and Noriko, it was maybe I missed it. It wasn't clear to me. Did she also move from Japan? I think she is the first generation. Or, gotcha. Yeah. Um, after immigrants. Yeah. So her parents might have been. Both but Japanese. there's not. There's. But it's interesting because there's not really that much about her that right. I can recall. Um, except that their her parents were supporting her in art school. But I. She speaks English more fluently. I believe that she. That she's. Born American, as they say. Americanized, freedomed. But, uh, no, it's... This film has a lot... I don't know, I'm... A lot of the conversation... You're hearing, what you're hearing right now is a lot of what our conversations have been like about this film, because we kind of get stymied. Yeah. Because it says a lot, and it's a very interesting insight into a very complicated relationship, but at the same time, as terrible as it sounds, you kind of have a party that asks, but what makes them so special? And right. they have a unique relationship, and, and a slice-of-life narrative is very useful and very fun to watch. I think these personal stories are good. But you don't, for instance, you don't really have a context for, sure, there seems to be the person from the Guggenheim interested in this work, but I mm-hmm. have no sense of how successful his art career has been, because they make it sound like they're definitely trying to scrape by. But and he so can that, fly to Japan and yeah. make 3000 3, bucks on that. Um, yeah, and so it's it's sort of it's it's again. I think it's it's diving into the to the depths of this relationship, but it doesn't give us. Um, but because they're artists, context. yeah, I don't get much professional yeah, context. You don't get any professional context, and you don't get that sense of you know you get their struggle, but you don't get any indication of of how bad it is or what the success is. You know, right. there are several gallery openings that just happen, and then we don't we know if no they sell anything. Um, A simple line of text like yeah. 
nothing sold in this or he gained exposure in this. You know, you don't see any, maybe there was no media coverage. Maybe right. nothing was bought, but I want to know that. And maybe that's, that's yeah. maybe that's my failing to understand the art world, but then they should have given us a minor primer. Right. I mean, there's that what to expect from there's these that, gallery exhibits. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, um, s- s- film that, that sort of Japanese film about him coming to America oh, at the right. very start. But again, that's from the seventies and it's from Japan and, and, there isn't sort of a lot of situating the viewer except inside their relationships. So if you are trying to find context for for the issues of their relationship, it becomes a little bit harder. And so yeah. I think both of us wanted either something that was a little bit more, that had a little bit more explanation in it or that was, you know, a little bit more, I hate to use the word significant, but... Well, that's the thing, and that's why we keep getting stymied, because every yeah. word I want to use to describe it is way too harsh for what I'm actually yeah. trying to say. And that you end up with this... The very fact that people are documenting them at all, mm-hmm. and at the art galleries, and they're having... The fact that they have that agent who is so... Annoying. Oh my god, the agent with the scarf! Oh he's like... He's everything that... Everyone... That every oh. bad sitcom has made in art. Yeah, critic really agent fire poor person. guy you know oh gosh and also the woman from the guggenheim looked like really oh. mean and, and uninterested be- like... and partially now to be fair the yeah. second time you see her she's way more chill because the agent's not there yeah and that agent was driving her up the I wall bet. I bet. he just there, he's and like, she oh, actually so you really have to really consider not the work itself but how it was made well yes that is a big thing in modern art i'm not trying to sound like i'm dismissing he just but it's sounded the way like he says a, it it's yeah. the way he does it i oh, can't gosh. imagine and he's got, I don't even know, like, the it's spatial like, hair he's got going on. Like, Come on, man. Oh, dear. I was like, well, this one, this really, you should really look at this work. She's like, well, we're, we're really we're interested, interested in this one. Yeah. Like, okay, but we, we had some other stuff. It's like, dude, you've got a one from the Guggenheim there wanting to talk Chill. to you about having him. And you are just blowing it. Yeah. No, that was really <laughs> painful. And it's interesting because oh, she, in the, I read, a, there's an interview. He's probably a nice guy. Probably a nice guy. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you want to punch nice people. But I was, there was an NPR interview about the film where that woman who sort of appears as oh, this yeah. buyer from the Guggenheim and then disappears completely and you never see her again, uh, gave, you know, was interviewed about them and sort of gave a little bit more context yeah. about his work and about why, you know, it's it's a struggle to, to show it and, and for it to be uh, commercially viable. And it was like, oh, that would have been nice to know in the film. I mean, because they're both so invested in their art and because we see so much of them making their art and trying to s- display their art and trying to sell their art, I don't think a little context is is going to be distracting yeah, um, or unnecessary. Yeah, because about, they didn't really have any interviews of any sort. It's definitely not no. cinema verite type style. It's not this very, oh, we're on the wall and staying dissociated from yeah. it and trying to not interfere. But they are very much trying to be somewhat hands-off yeah. and not get direct talking heads at any point. No. It's still, like, you can, I don't know. It, and maybe he has a good reason for not doing it, but I don't really see it. And I, I wish we had a little more context. And right, you're right that in that segment, the uh, interview with her was incredibly illuminating. And I will say this: I guarantee you, they're gonna start selling their artwork after this. <laughs> I guarantee you, this has made them a lot of money. There's no yeah. way they don't have some attention now. You're gonna have a bunch of people start looking them up and yeah, get interested yeah, in it. Yeah. I'd be very curious to see a see how that's yeah a year, a year after the documentary is how that's a filthy millionaire. Listen. <laughs> No, <laughs> probably no. not that extreme. Probably still just walks around with his shirt off. That was the other thing I really liked about just them yeah. as personalities is that they they just did 
did not care. Yeah. Did she not always care. had those French braided pigtails. Oh god, they were so cute. No, she uh, was, she, she yeah. always dressed like a cutie. She was always like yeah. this cutesy character, and she was very very resilient person. But she was very much always wearing these like playful summery skirts mm-hmm, and these mm-hmm, French braided pigtails, mm-hmm. and he's shirtless walking around being grumpy. And <laughs> it's it's so unapologetic and yeah, so much fun I mean, to watch. Yeah, them. it is really a lot of fun to watch them. Yeah, I would be curious how how her comics are doing now. <laughs> I mean, I tried looking up, but I mean, it's all the articles about them tend to be about the film, so I don't know. There yeah. is that thing where, you know, being featured doesn't necessarily equate to oh. being showered with lots and lots of money. Um, I was like, why not? Yeah, just ask Barkat Abdi, the, or sorry, he's the Captain Phillips guy. Uh, oh. Who? Well, this in some ways turned out worse for him. Yeah, no, it's. <laughs> the, the, the character attacks have been. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So I think I think we both just wanted a little bit more information from this movie, a little bit, a little bit more of a broader sense, because I think in the end you you really you really sort of get into her realization, you know, coming to terms with yeah, their relationship. That's really what comes to your head. Um, and it's really beautiful. I definitely was more invested in the film in the the last. 30 minutes than I, I was in the first. Well, when she has that little voiceover where she says, it's been incredibly difficult and I've been angry and sad yeah. and had all these terrible moments and it's made me who I am. I would never take it back. Right. And I love him. Well, she actually, I don't think you ever hear the word say, I love him, but you say, so, but cutie loves... Cutie loves bully, yeah. yeah. She's she's very funny about dissociating herself personally and right. letting the art tell her story. And I'm very... And he starts to get anxious. I think that's uh, what he happens. Gets he gets very anxious about... Because he realizes that, you know, it's very evidently autobiographical. And so in that sense, having to worry about the art is a way for... Afterwards. Yeah. Is a way for him to worry about how he's behaved uh, towards, towards his partner. Well, that's the thing. When they... They watched their film. I'm pretty sure Cutie was a fan of it. She oh, yeah. Was she, uh, Cutie, Jesus. Oh, uh, oh, what does that tell you? What does that tell you about the film? Yeah. Mm. But, uh, it was intentional. Uh, it was insightful. totally on purpose. Uh, Narika, she, she, she liked, liked it. it. And yeah. he complained that it did not show enough of his art. <laughs> <laughs> which That it was too long. Many, yeah, it was too long. Which, yeah. which one of my favorite things about this movie... They had some discipline with the cutting. Her oh film worked God. on for so long. They were so disciplined. Yeah. There were times where I was definitely asking, uh, why this per- you know, why are they so significant? But there wasn't a whole lot of wasted space. And yeah, I definitely I felt the film had a very good pacing. It's yeah, we, we weren't looking it's at our loose. cell phones. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's loose, it's not regimented, it's, yeah, it's not, not like, like boom, 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 a bullet train story. going, yeah. but Everything that's there has a reason to be there. You move very easily from scene to scene. Um, You're immersed in their yeah, world. Yeah, you while retain not to your hear interest. About every little detail yeah. of everything they do. It's it's very it's a very well constructed. A lot of good film. comic relief or very depressing relationship. Like when you really step right. back, it's a pretty depressing relationship. Yeah, it is. And sure, it works out well. It's it's hard to not to not realize like this. It's a it can have some tragedy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and they've obviously done well by themselves, well by each other, and yeah. have accomplished a lot in her happy with their artwork and love each other. Yeah. But there's definitely some regrets that they suppress. Right. And I think this was, you know, one thing to talk about is how this film allowed them to kind of exercise yeah, their sort personal of, battles and right. their personal frustrations, especially for Noriko. I think Right. This, and it's I, an interesting process, yeah, to see that happen. Yeah. Uh, that we're not only she getting... We're not getting... We're not... Yeah, she's very... I think she's very self-aware. It's yeah. not a static relationship that we're getting a look at. Yeah. 
Um, it's one that's evolving and that they both, you know, you see the issues that they have to juggle with, you know, themselves as artists and their commitment to the art, their, you know, relationship with each other, their love for each other, um, their worries about their son. Like, there's there's a lot going on in it. Which is, she was a pretty terrible father. <laughs> yeah. But again, I think, and, and we both have been really having trouble trying to articulate why it didn't quite... Uh, I'm not unhappy it didn't win the no. documentary. No, I'm, I'm not, not unhappy, unhappy either. That it's there's there's something a that isn't nod. quite magnetized about it. Um, you don't walk away going, oh my god. You yeah. Know, it's a very introspective film. It'll get you to be somewhat pensive and think about maybe a little bit yeah. about creativity in your life. Yeah. But I think one thing just occurred to me now is their relationship is completely... Un- you cannot sympathize with it. You can't. It's no. unrelatable. Not that it's not relayed well, but it's very hard. Like, I cannot put myself in either of their shoes. It's just completely unrelatable for me. And it's that's not a bad thing. Like, no. failing at a film is just, I think that's something that does keep you from walking away. Like, oh my God. You know? See, for me, I had a different reaction. I sort of, I, I grasped their relationship fairly quickly as sort of like something that you see not a cliche but a a sort of a type of relationship a sort of older man charismatic uh ensnares idealistic younger impressionable and and moneyed pupil there's this this abusive mentor he does kind of borrow money he borrows money uh and then her her parents stop sending it when they realize that's happening um almost saying it's not like this is a completely unique relationship that's unrelated it's that no personally even as someone who does film mm-hmm. it's hard i don't know i guess i just find ushio as much as i like respect his art and stuff i do kind of find him repugnant in some ways sure so i guess maybe that's me deflecting and sure. saying i would never be him so yeah. maybe that's why i kind of maybe that's what that is maybe it's not as much unrelatable and maybe i just don't want to no be, i mean i think don't want to be him maybe yeah that's it's, it's a hard relationship to root for <laughs> certainly definitely and i think my problem with it was is that happy. It's the yeah you do yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which stranger things have happened? I think I, for me, I because I grasped the relationship very quickly. It, I was, I was wanting it to to sort of go to that place where it went in the last thirty minutes of the film, where you, it got more introspective and dynamic, and there was a little bit of confrontation between yeah. the two. In between that, there's a lot of modern art and Japanese people potter, pottering around, and I was, I was, I wasn't bored, but I was sort of like, okay, what is this? What are we, what are we doing here? What are we observing? Yeah, um, and so I think there's there's that to be reckoned with. Yeah, um, maybe for some me. of the stuff towards the end could have been a little earlier, not just chronologically, just in the right. sense that. We really didn't understand if she was happy or not until the end. And even say, like, we say she's happy. She's not, like, fully fulfilled and super happy. But she's Well, no, clearly, no human being is. But, yeah, but she's yeah. clearly more than just accepted it. You know, she right. does love him, as we said earlier. And, again, I, see, now, now, now he's got me. I'm sitting here going, oh, man, Ushio, interesting, interesting guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, he is, for sure. And he doesn't seem nearly aware as aware of as what's aware taking of her, place yeah. as Noriko does, as this film is starting to really come towards the end and you're really starting to see things of consequence, she seems way more aware of it than he is. He's much more willfully oblivious, in my opinion. Right. I mean, I think he's he kind of on a conscious a and a and a subconscious level. He's just like full speed ahead, balls out art guy. Like yeah. he lives in that in making cardboard motorcycles <laughs> with frogs on them. His the titles of his artwork were so glorious. They were so funny. And his, his the name of his uh his um his his shows are like 
pow, bam, action, like action words, action words. And then when she comes in, the, there's I think the title of the show is "Love Is Roar." That's right. Love is a roar, and that sort of combines Hearing the two of them. Hearing her kind of do a roar is really funny. Roar, yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. oh, this is so, this is entertaining. <laughs> she just was like trying to. Yeah. Dude, she's not the most like vocally expressive person, so, so for her, her to her like to do that primal. projection, yeah. <laughs> and clearly, like that's the thing. I think by naming it that, she was kind of nodding to the camera, going, "Yes, this is about us." Yeah. And she's very aware of what she's doing, and I don't think. Ushio is obviously not oblivious to it, but I don't think he sees it as clearly yeah. as she does. And, and it might that's just kind of be yeah. About it. Yeah, it's also intriguing because he's in his eighties. Right? Well, that's true, but I mean, <laughs> the film is more aligned with her, and she is more aligned with the process. And yes. I think those aren't coincidences. That's true. Um, but yeah, anything else you want to talk about the techniques of this film? Or I just think a lot of it. There's these very. It's some very gorgeous shots of them doing the. Art. Oh gosh, just yes. that, like I was saying, that very Apple commercial looking. That opening credit sequence is fantastic, yeah. and it's like the thing when you watch the closing it, credits are. Fabulous, and then there's that stuff in the park um, that's just gorgeously shot. Remind me, which what? It was uh, like the the Japanese uh, blossoms park where they're under the tree and stuff. And no, it's it's interesting use like like we said with towards the middle endish they started to out of nowhere bring in that primary yeah archi- archival primary material of the super H yeah. used and that was a really interesting curveball I did not see coming I really was in the first half stuck in this mindset of I'm watching Jirajin's sushi again uh huh and obviously not exactly but I was very locked into that and when they started to use that more. And when they really utilized the animation, yeah. I finally really felt this film. That it was telling its own story and yeah, had its own voice. For sure. Uh, which is good. It was. It was a very yeah. good voice. It was a beautifully done film. The production value is very, very high. Mm-hmm. It does not look like mm-hmm. DSLRs to me. I could be wrong. No. But it looks like some digital cinema cameras being used. But very, just very, very, yeah. just the lighting, everything was, wasn't contrasty, it wasn't no. ever overexposed. It's just a yeah. very, just every color popped. I mean, just was really, yes. Yeah. Just wonderful opportunistic use of natural light in their yes, apartment. Yes, um, yes, it's a very, very yeah. You can tell they made the apartment that's just clearly like your garage. Yeah, a very beautiful space. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, it's cluttered for sure, yeah. but there's but you'd never feel yeah. a little drowning in it. No, you no, feel no. like they know exactly it's... where everything is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, don't mess with my desk. I have a system. That yeah. kind of thing, but yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. obviously do. Um, yeah, <laughs> I know the the no. You can tell. I mean, this is his. I think this is his first feature. Uh, yeah, it was, and it was and a lot of good, a lot of very good conservative use of tripods, trying yeah. to not be hand camery all the right. time. As someone who abuses hand camera, I respect someone who does tripod a lot, right? Because it takes a lot of patience. For those of you who have not done a whole lot of video, even for photography, if you've ever used a tripod, it's a magical device. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, setting it up it. and taking it down over yeah. and over again is really obnoxious yeah and so for someone to sit there and be very very careful about that you know they sit down they eat you could just pick up your camera and go but he goes no i'm gonna lock the camera down yeah and i'm gonna let the story play out in front of me and i that was much of the nice. gallery stuff is tripod and I, I, yes. the door is open at a certain times so you have set up yes but but it's, a lot of people still don't do it. Yeah. The documentary is very, very prone to the hand camera. Again, guilty as charged. And there's... I like hand camera. I think it no, gives it's a great. very nice 
in the mood feel. You get in there and when people are talking and the camera's going between the two, it feels like And also you're just part of the when you're shooting, you feel more involved. You don't have if something happens, you can you're pick able up to react and go quickly. Exactly. But they understood the pacing of the world they were in that that wasn't going to be the case. They yeah. weren't going to need to be sprinting around. Yeah. And during the gallery, they were had a very nice I'm pretty sure those that was handheld. Yeah. And but it was very very secured and it made sense cuz they clearly had to go and catch people's conversations. But yeah, I'm beating that horse. Point is, good use of tripod. Yes. I respect that. It's it's often overlooked yeah. when, a, when, a, when you just got a nice, clean, level camera that's just nicely lit. Every There wasn't a lot of wasted shots, and mm-hmm. they clearly didn't just throw things into the mix. Yeah. So Which, I guess the question now, I mean, I think we both would recommend this film, but I sort of like, I, I'm like, watch it and see what you get out of it, because I'm still not sure. Yeah. It's... Is it because it's definitely it's won a number of awards and I kind of always think right. like am I just missing something? I know that's the thing about the critical response is that I'm like what if I you got best director at 2013 Sundance, Sundance which I think which we, we, we agree yeah, that's yeah, an that's incredibly fine. produced film so as yeah. a, for a directorial standpoint incredible yeah uh, it's London Film Festival had special mention. It during, something at Tribeca, right? Yeah, at uh, Tribeca. I've got this here. Second place in audience award at Tribeca. Yay! So I mean, well, that's New York too. So <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, but it's and then obviously the Academy Awards, which yeah. we can knock it around all we want to have nods from Sundance and Tribeca and London and all that, all the the big, big, big names. There's clearly There's, something working. Yeah. <laughs> it's more than just nice production value for sure. And, Which, uh, I mean, I think it speaks to we just may be two people who didn't quite get as much out of it as other people for sure. did. Because, I mean, it is such an internal... If there's anything the internet's taught yeah. me, my opinion is always correct and valid. You cannot argue with me or else I'll call you Hitler. Or bring in the Holocaust. That's usually another That's yeah. another good one. Yeah. Good old Godwin's Law. <laughs> but, anyway, digression. Yeah. But, uh, no, the... Uh, it's... Yeah, I think... It's not that we didn't take any weight anything from it no it just was definitely you watch it and you feel like there's some missing pieces right which i much prefer it's kind of like when a movie ends too soon yeah i much prefer that to to, there's so much garbage in this yeah 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 it's just like i want to recut it yeah Yeah. you know just just give me 10 minutes i mean it's just it's just really elegant it's this very it's It's a very very elegant film very very internal relationship that that is expressed through their art and through what they're doing and how they're yeah. relating to each other. So, I mean, something is lost in the middle there that may just be a function of, of how he's choosing to document these people. For sure. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think either of us were as were as hot on this film as the the internet's response has yeah, been. Yeah, but I would definitely so. enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Enjoy, well, we didn't notice the on Rotten Tomato, it was 80% of users liked it. Yeah. 96% of critical critics. review. That's really high. Although... I mean, how high was the Lego movie? That's a question. I mean, sometimes... <laughs> the guy who did yeah. high, I must, I must be okay with it. No, I love the Lego oh, movie. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that sometimes positive reviews uh, have as much to do with being grateful to write a positive review as anything else. <laughs> Fair enough. But it's just that uh, I always mention when the users and critics review or yeah, has are such a wide disparity. Yeah. IMDb, it had like a 7.2 out of 10, hmm. which is like pretty... It's on the low side. A little bit, in my opinion, not like yeah. terribly low, but no. it was, uh, it was, it was on the low side. I mean, that's that's approaching seventy out of hundred. Yeah. So I don't know. It's uh, 
Definitely recommend it. Definitely watch it. If you're yeah. interested in film technique and just beautiful shots, you will be extremely happy. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very, very gorgeous film. Very, yeah, very and gorgeous film. it's simplistic. Film. It's very simple. In yeah, style. that's what's nice, is is that it's just sort of, let's get down And the to... animation scenes were so nice. Oh, those they were. were. so fun. I always wanted more of those, just because I just, I was just getting, I know, wanted more of them. Yeah. It was always very, very nice and tasteful. Yeah. And... Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's, it's just a really well made. You really film. felt like you're in Rico's yeah. head during those moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just good decisions, everybody. Good yeah, decisions. Yeah, very good decisions. Around. Check out the film. Yeah. As you know, uh, most Oscar nods are generally worth it. I, I stand my ground on the square. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, uh, yeah, so hopefully this was as fun for you as it was for us. Hooray! Um, and we'll pro- we will eventually watch 20 Feet from Stardom. That will and, happen. Uh, it needs to. It kind yeah. of won this picture. It so. did. We should talk about that. And maybe we'll do Dirty Wars or maybe we'll do something else. Yeah, we should definitely have some yeah. of those Oscar films. Yeah. But we will, we, a couple we got on the table like that, Dirty Wars, 20 Feet from Stardom, still been playing around with watching Mitt and uh, maybe yeah. getting, and talk about getting some guests on here. Hooray! So yeah, you don't just hear us going, um. Um. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's that. And we'll see you next time. Take it easy.